Hey gamers, this is Liz Davidson from Beyond Solitaire, and I'm once again happy to be taking you beyond the board, this time into the world of tabletop RPGs, solo ones in particular, with Deborah from Geek Gamers. How are you doing today, Deborah? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. I've actually been a longtime admirer of your channel. Uh, do you want to take a few minutes to plug yourself and the awesome work you do? Absolutely. Although I'm not, I'm not so great on uh, selling myself, but thank you for that. I really appreciate it. I am, as you say, Deborah, the voice of Geek Gamers, and I've got the YouTube channel that does a lot of solo RPG uh, material. But I started out actually doing war games and fantasy sort of mid to heavyweight board games and um, drifted into the solo RPG, but I, I still do a mix of board games and RPGs in uh, my gamer world. And in the real world, I am a nonfiction book editor. That is super cool. We'll probably talk more about that later. So out of curiosity, were you interested in role-playing as a kid too? Like, Did you have a past playing D&D or is it something that you gravitated towards later in life? Well, my interest in role-playing as a child, I think, factors very heavily into the solo RPG work I do because I was interested in it as a young girl, say, junior high school, the way a lot of junior high school boys are interested in it. But it wasn't so easy as a girl at that time being interested in RPGs. There was um, not really receptive. There was nowhere to really go for other girls that were interested in it and the boys that at least the boys that I encountered were not so interested in having me participate. Um, and so as a, as a consequence, my actual um, tabletop RPG experience is pretty limited. When I went to college, I went right to the D and D group and, you know, like probably 10 minutes later left because they were not really ready for me showing up there. So I did have an interest, but it was pretty, pretty quickly turned into more of a, an interactive storytelling interest. And the way that I love to read, I began to read RPG rules rather than playing them. So you spent a lot of time reading RPG rules. At what point did that morph into actually becoming your own GM, which is something that we'll be getting some advice from you for? <laughs> Well, I would say that it took a while. What I did initially was sort of read a lot of RPG rules and in a parallel kind of way, I was playing a lot of interactive fiction. So I don't know if you're familiar with interactive fiction, but um, like the Zork or there was something called Leather Goddesses of Phobos, which was a favorite of mine, even though it's pretty on PC. The kinds of games where it's just text on the screen and you type something in and the um, output that you get kind of mocks the an interactive fiction or a developing story or narrative that you're in charge of. So I was doing that separately. And then at a certain point, I started just playing around with the actual rules. So rather than just reading them, maybe I would make a character or something like that. But then I, I kind of went beyond that. So a lot of your channel is dedicated to the art of playing a solo RPG for people who would ask uh, what is the most satisfying part of doing RPGs on your own? And how do you make that a really meaningful experience as a gamer? 
I think before I could answer that question, I would say that from my perspective, the solo RPG, I call it work that I do, but work in the in the most divine sense of it because it's pure joy for me. But the solo RPG work that I do is not designed to simulate the kind of experience you would have sitting around a table with a bunch of friends in a gaming group with a GM. I'm not trying to replicate that experience because I don't think you can. You can't, in my opinion, create interpersonal relationships and the kind of on-the-fly narrative generation on your own. You can do somewhat similar things. but So that's, that's the first thing that I would just kind of put out there. Not that you asked, but um, this comes up a lot on my channel. And the reason I mention it is because the enjoyment that I get, I think, is different than the enjoyment that I would get sitting around a table playing. But for me, I think the most enjoyment really is when something happens that ends up being funny. Because having humor arise naturally out of this type of storytelling and story development is surprising. And it's much more surprising than rolling on an oracle table or rolling on a random table and coming up with something. But occasionally things will happen and it's just funny. You know, it's just everything in the narrative is leading me to something that's amusing. And that for me is the most satisfying experience. That's awesome. So how do you set yourself up narratively to travel through the game on your own. So most people who are used to playing with a GM have someone else who's built the world for them, who has set up the adventure for them, who will coyly look at them over the screen, you know, and roll a die. So how do you create an element of surprise for yourself when you're playing alone? I think that a good way to start, especially if you haven't done this before, is to go to some random tables, not even go to necessarily a rule set. And I've done some videos on this where I show how rolling on random tables, you can start to create an entire story of something without even knowing the rules that you're going to use to play out that story. And if you create, say, uh, an environment and in that environment is a specific location, and perhaps in that location, there's some type of obstacle, that's the beginning of a story. And that literally grounds you and it also narratively grounds you. And when you have those two things together, you can set off on a journey, on a narrative journey, on a solo RPG journey that will feel like the unfolding of a story as opposed to feeling like you're kind of rolling dice looking around for something to happen. So are there certain RPG systems that are more conducive to a positive solo experience than others? So if somebody's looking to start with solo RPG play on their own, how, what kinds of systems should they be looking for? That's a great question. And there's a bunch of ways I could answer that. I think there are, especially now recently, people putting out RPG systems that are designed for solo play that are explicitly baked into it, solo or co-op play. And maybe the most well-known of those is Ironsworn. I've done a bunch of videos on Ironsworn by Sean Tompkin. And uh, I should say Tom, yes, Tompkin. And indeed, he says that uh, that's designed for guided play, which would be with a GM or co-op, where you're playing with a group of friends, but there's no GM, and also solo. And I think that is 
I don't know that that's necessarily a good place to start because it is very sophisticated in its understanding of narrative and its understanding of self-generated narrative. And by sophisticated, I just mean complex. Like it's not necessarily hard, but um, it might not be as familiar if you're coming from a regular tabletop RPG. One that's more familiar, say, for that would be Scarlet Heroes, because Scarlet Heroes also is designed for solo play, and it has its own related oracle tables at the back, tables that will generate not only locations, but different types of travel, different types of NPC response, and things like that. So it's more a, an old school feel, but you can play it without, the, uh, without a GM intentionally. And I think that's probably the place I would recommend starting if you've never done this before. If you've experienced some solo RPG play, maybe Ironsworn is a good place. So in addition to playing a lot of RPGs, you are also someone who, as you've said, is interested in sort of regular solo board gaming and war games. Do you also prefer to play board games solo? Or, I mean, I know that you do a lot of it for your channel, but for me, solo play is the default. It's something that I really enjoy and in many cases prefer. Is that the same for you? Yes, I do enjoy solo play. I don't like um, I don't like competitive games at all. I'm a sore loser. I'll admit it. My family will will laugh and say, you know, never play a game with her. She's terrible. I mean, I've gotten better over the years, but I really actually do like solo play. I like co-op play. If I could play with um, one of my kids, for example, I enjoy that. But it's that's more than I'm spending time with my kid than per se the game. Um, I think overall, yeah, I do like I like heavier games and I like to sit and think about the move that I'm making and um, the implications of that move a lot. And that tends to come naturally with solo play. I'll also say though, that I care nothing about winning or losing a game when I'm playing solo. I, I don't even know necessarily the win conditions sometimes. It's really just about the experience. So would you say that perhaps it is about the story that you generate while playing the game? I would say it's perhaps about the story indeed. And uh, some of the games that I like the most, like say A Touch of Evil comes to mind. I don't know why I was just thinking about it because it's been a while since I played it because there is a story there. And that's also why I enjoy a lot of war games, even though I would describe myself as a pacifist. And I've done a video actually where I talk about that because war games also generate stories. and some of my favorite games, in fact, are war game mechanics, but very story-oriented games. Ooh, could you name a few of those just for reference? Sure. There's, say, Voyage of the BSM Pandora. That's an old game. It's a paragraph-based game. That is an exploration space game, and it's absolutely story-based, and it is um, probably one of my favorite games. Struggle for the Galactic Empire is another awesome war game that is based in the Isaac Asimov Foundation trilogy set of novels and really implements the feeling of a galactic empire that you're managing just spinning out of control and chaos at all at all points there is social chaos economic chaos of course military chaos and that is a solo designed war game and it is absolutely a story i mean it's the kind of game where 
I just feel like at the end of it, I don't ever play in one session because it's hours long, but even at the end of a session, I just feel like, oh, you know, I'm practically sweating, you know, because it's so involving from the story perspective. So story has essentially dominated many elements of your life. You, we were talking about how you have loved books your entire life and you have a PhD in Victorian literature. Is that correct? It is correct. I do. And uh, it comes in more handy than I thought it would actually, given that I didn't become a professor with it. So Yes, uh, story. I love stories. I love telling stories. I love hearing stories. And I love storytellers. I, I would say that narrative and story does, does rule my life in some way. And, and actually, literally, in the sense that I've never earned a dime professionally without it being related to books or stories or writing in some, in some way. Would you say that your academic study of story impacts the ways that you enjoy or even choose the games that you play? I would say, I don't know if it impacts how I choose the games. I think it impacts for sure. If we're talking solo RPG games, say, um, as opposed to board games, I think it gives me an understanding of the flexibility that narrative that is inherent in narrative. And a lot of the comments and questions I get on my channel have to do with uh, people almost being afraid to tinker with or try to impact a story in some way, and therefore relying on the game mechanic or the die rolling to generate the story for them. And that's not really going to happen. So I think that having studied the structures of literature just historically and then in depth in the Victorian period where the novel really came to flourish. Having studied that in such depth gives me the confidence to understand the mechanics of how narrative actually functions and how it has functioned historically in literature and therefore to to mess with it and in messing with it create a gaming experience. So on the RPG side for sure on the board game side, I think that it does impact my choice of games only in, in such a way it's hard to describe that I just have a feel, uh, a feeling about a game designer that he or she might have a similar experience or understanding of narrative. So for example, I don't know if you know the game Dark Venture, but as soon as I started reading about Dark Venture, which is a, it's, this is a board game, it's an adventure game, I... I just had a feeling that it was going to be very rich in narrative and that the designer had a similar approach to narrative that I would have if I were a board game designer, which I have no, no desire to do and probably no skill at. Um, so I chose, you know, I was going to be interested in that game. And indeed, it's a wonderful game. And I did a video on it. So in that respect, yes, there's something about, I mentioned a touch of evil, uh, fortune and glory. I'm just looking around my office here now. I'm, like my eyes are landing on that. Whoever designed that um, that game, whose name escapes me now, clearly, clearly has an enjoyment of narrative. And um, if you know anything about that game, you'll know what I mean. Interesting. So uh, you've also reviewed games on your channel before, if I recall correctly. Um, do you find that when you're reviewing games that are very narrative heavy, that it's difficult to draw a conclusion about them? Because 
what you put into them is essentially what you get out. I mean, I've had a lot of experiences, you know, I've played Quill, I've been playing more solo RPGs recently, and I find them very challenging to review because I feel like the game is as good as you are at embracing the game. Does that make sense? It definitely makes sense. I, I would agree with you about that. Um, the I would actually say though I don't I don't actually consider anything I do on my channel a review. I don't uh, when I post them on Board Game Geek I don't list them as reviews. I was pretty careful to maybe early on in like the first or second video I ever did. Um, I might have gone through like, well, I'm going to review the components now and whatever. But I really consider it that I'm just discussing the game, which I, I understand people take that as a review. But I, I'm not sure I have the qualifications to really review a game. And, and I say that as kind of coming out of the board game or excuse me, coming out of the book publishing world where book reviewers are really professionals and have read, you know, hundreds of thousands of books and I can't make that claim in terms of playing games, but um, I, but to, to the question you're really asking, I agree with you. I think particularly the more narrative, the game, the structure of the mechanics of the game, the more you're going to get out of it based on what you put into it. So it would be hard to kind of quote unquote review it because my experience of it would be so overtly more subjective than who anyone else's. So how do you get yourself in a place where you're able to really be open to a solo role-playing experience, especially, um, you know, especially if you've never put yourself in that place before, how do you get the most, the most out of that experience? You mean, how would one or how would I, like, how would somebody? I mean, you only know your own self, right? But if you were giving advice to somebody else, what would you say? I would say, first of all, that if you want to do or experience some kind of solo RPG um, gaming experience, you want to have that kind of gaming experience, that is 75% of it, you know, to just be open to, well, what am I going to do here? You know, I'm looking at a book, like sometimes uh, I'll open a book and you know, one of my kids will say to me, oh, you got a new book. And I'll say, no, I got a new game, you know, and they kind of look at me like, what? That's a book. Uh, so I think you really have to, and of course we could talk forever about the distinction about what makes a game, but I think you just have to really be open to having a certain type of narrative storytelling experience using someone else's game mechanics. And I think that's the first part. And the second part, I think, is to free your mind of the concept that there's a right or a wrong way to do something. That a lot of the comments and questions I get on the channel sometimes will be about, well, did I make this mistake or did I do this wrong? Or like, how did you figure out how to do that right? And there is no right or wrong. You know, you're making this up for the most part with some exceptions. I mentioned two of them earlier. RPG rules are not designed to be played solo. They're designed for a group and they're designed for a moderated group at that. So there's, there's really no right or wrong. And I think getting that concept out of your head, which for gamers can be hard because on some level, we're all rules followers, right? I mean, literally that's what makes a game. If you're not following some aspect of the rules, you don't have a game. So I think you know, omitting that from your thought processes is another good first step when you sit down to open up some rules. Interesting. Do you think that there's a point where if you're solo RPGing and you are, you know, 
bending the narrative and breaking the rules to make the most interesting experience. Is there a point where you leave a game and start essentially writing? A hundred percent. I think that the, there's a very fine line between being a, you know, playing out an RPG rule set and doing something that is like, say, emergent fiction, you could call it, or improvisational storytelling using some game mechanics, for sure. I think that 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 can happen. And that's great if that happens, because that is demonstrating an immersive experience. And if you go along and all of a sudden, I don't do a lot of writing when I do solo RPG, but I know that a lot of people do. And I've seen amazing examples in blogs and even in some videos of people's incredible journals that they keep. And if you started doing that and then just found yourself journaling and writing, I mean, that would be awesome. You know, that would be awesome because what you had started out would have transformed into something else. And, you know, what is more inspiring than transformation? So speaking of writing, uh, not only have you done academic work based on the Victorian period and its literature, but you have also contributed to game studies. What is the nature of that aspect of your work? I, back in the day, back in the day, a couple of years ago, really, maybe four, four-ish years ago when I started, I did a lot of wargaming, uh, war games on my channel. I was playing, I started my channel playing games that I just had lying around. And as it turned out, a lot of them were games that nobody else seemed to have done any videos on. And I, I wrote a little bit about some games, some gaming experiences that I had. And again, a lot of narrative focus because war games also generate a lot of story. And I think that's something that people don't necessarily know, as I mentioned earlier, who aren't uh, within the wargaming field, as it were. And you're also working on a manuscript right now. Is that games related? It is. It is. I am working on a manuscript now. I uh, dropped a little hint about this into my Geek Gamers update on my channel recently. I just kind of threw it in at the end, um, throwing caution to the wind because it's not completed yet. It's in copy editing right now, but I am working on a solo game master's guide and it's going to be, it's not a solo RPG rule set. It is not um, a bunch of Oracle tables. I don't actually use a lot of Oracle tables in my solo RPGing. It's not a bunch of random tables, although there are some in there, but it is basically what regular game masters have had all along since the beginning of D&D with all the game sets that they have, which are game master guides for the rule sets. This is a solo game master guide. And it talks about a lot of the principles that I put forward on the channel, like what are the essential resources that you need? How do you start a solo RPG session? How do you develop a story? How do you create themes? General overall advice with some examples that I think solo RPGers could use to, with any rule set to just help them find their way and kind of keep the story going. So I asked for some good starters before, but is it more or less possible to turn any tabletop RPG rule set into a solo experience? The answer is yes, it's more possible and it's less possible. I think um, that, you know, some of the, some of the, rule sets that have a lot of content, say like Pathfinder or Starfinder, one of those, for example, 
um, could be super challenging. Anything with like tons of detail, it can be overwhelming as to know where to start with that. And I did a video a while ago on Starfinder and, and it was, even I felt just overwhelmed by it a little bit, so much material. So some of it can be harder, some of it can be easier. And obviously it's going to vary from person to person, but the short answer is, I think absolutely. Yes. You could take any rule set and have some kind of solo RPG experience. The experience may, might be different. Um, if you were, if you were doing something, I've also often wanted to do a video on Ars Magica. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. I think it is simply sort of being in an, alchemy shop, like making a spell. And that's like the whole thing, because there's a lot of intricate rules there about um, magic generation. And you could, you could create a whole little session like that just for yourself. That's obviously really different than playing a rule set where there is the capacity to have a whole big like overland travel and it's all built in there. And then you arrive at the town and you interact with the locals and all that kind of thing. Very different experiences. So what is the quirkiest solo RPG experience that you've had? I really like what you just said about uh, Ars Magica. I, I would be totally down for an alchemical experience. So- I, you know, I've got it somewhere. I, as I mentioned to you, I just moved and I've got now a Geek Gamers office set up, but I'm just looking around at my books and I can't, I haven't unpacked it yet. So, but that's, that's, um, you know, I have, I'm sure you know this, I have like a whole long list of to-do list of to-do videos that's been on there for quite some time, but it's good to know that you think that would be good. So, um, so maybe I'll do that someday. The quirkiest, I, you know, the one that sticks in my mind, and this gets back to something I said earlier about humor. I did something on Warhammer quest role-play game. I think it's what the rule set is called the role-play rules. And in the video that I was doing, all my characters, they fell into this pit and they couldn't get out. And like one after another was trying to get them out. And they all kind of ended up at the bottom of this pit. And it just, it was, it was, it was amusing. And it took a turn that I really didn't see coming and it was great. And so in some way, I feel like that is the quirkiest because I still get comments on other videos on the channel about it. Like, oh, maybe you could use that to get those guys out of the pit. You know, it really, it kind of really resonated also, I think, with uh, viewers. How, how much interplay is there between your interest in what your viewers think about your channel and your own personal RPG experiences? Has sharing on your channel impacted the way that you play and the way that you think about play because you intend to share? Do you have your own like private RPG life that doesn't ever go on your channel? How does that work for you? <laughs> well, I do. I will say of my viewers, like I get great comments on my channel, such knowledgeable people are watching the channel and recommending things to me, asking me if I know about things, which often I don't. So I've really learned a ton from my viewers. And I was told early on with doing the channel, well, don't expect any kind of meaningful comments or conversation to develop. And I, I really d- would disagree with that. I don't go on, I'm not on other social media. So, you know, Geek Gamers does not have a presence on Facebook or Instagram or anything like that. But um, I get a lot of great things from the channel. Do I find that I have a private solo experience? Sometimes I would say I do. I find myself going back to things that maybe I tend not to do too many repeats on the channel, although I've done a bunch of D100 Dungeon. I've done a bunch of Ironsworn on the channel and I have some more coming on probably both of them, but definitely Ironsworn. 
But sometimes I'll just pick something up, you know, one night and start playing it or some Pocket Dungeon is a favorite of mine that I did a little video on Pocket Dungeon a while ago, but I've definitely played it since then that um, I would not re, you know, put on the channel again. I tend not to play new things that aren't on the channel, I would say that, unless I really don't like it. I'm not going to put something, I'm not going to spend all the tens of hours it takes me to make a video only to put something up there about an experience or rules that I didn't enjoy. That's fair. Yeah, I'm on the reviewer into the spectrum. So anything that comes into my hands is just grist for the mill. <laughs> Some of my yeah, love more than others. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really, I'm looking in the in the videos that I do. I'm looking to share both share my experience of a rule set and sort of how I do it, like behind the scenes. But I think also a little bit, you know, the teacher in me or the 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 you know, well, really, the teacher in me comes out a lot because I really. I just would love to share this experience with as many people to get them comfortable with it and maybe bring new people into the experience of solo RPGing. And so some of the videos are kind of more explicitly about that. Like I say to myself, okay, I want to do a video on how do you create a theme? How do you develop a theme? And I'll think about, well, how could I make that kind of a video? So there is that kind of teaching aspect where I try to cover, explicitly cover different aspects of the experience that I want to share with people. And you do a great job with it. So oh, thank you. Talking to you has made me think about this. So I also play a lot of war games. I would say that that's something that's very much in my current rotation. And I think the reason I'm so interested in war games is partially the story, partially because of the historian in me. I love mm -hmm. looking at not only the history behind the games, but what our retelling of that history says about us. And I find it a very reflective experience. Do you get a similar reflective feeling from the act of creating a narrative of doing a tabletop RPG? Is there something in the weaving of a story that has a meaning for you and drives your work? I would say that it's just another way. This is going to sound corny, but go for it. <laughs> you know, I've, I've spent my life devoted to books. I have published, I've edited and published over 700 books. I've lost count at this point. And it's just another way of experiencing narrative and of kind of, this is the corny part, like almost sort of saying thank you to narrative for existing because it's really been such a storytelling and stories have been such an important part of my life. And as a child, the ability to tell stories and to read stories and to be transported by stories to a place that was maybe better than the place I was in um, was really life-saving for me in my childhood. And that, I think, is, if anything, it's like almost my way of giving back, um, in a sense, to have other people be able to create stories in this kind of way for themselves so that maybe they get that kind of enjoyment also. So uh, just to, to a, a wrap up question before we go to over to where people can find you on the internet, you have read many, many, many books. What are a book or two that you would recommend to anybody? Just what are some very good reading recommendations? Well, that's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a tough question. I would say, 
the first thing that comes to mind is a book called, it's a novel called If on a Winter's Night, A Traveler by Italo Calvino. And I don't know if you're familiar with that book, but it is basically a book about readers reading a story about a book in which they are the characters. And it kind of goes on and on like that. It's um, very um, circular in that regard and really is just a lesson in what stories and narrative can do both as a novel and as characters in the novel. And then there's characters in the novel experiencing themselves as characters in, in that very same novel, if that makes any sense. So that's kind of the first thing that just popped into my mind um, with that question. And I always feel like I go blank on those questions. So I'm glad I came, I'm glad I came up with that one, but it's one of my favorite novels. And on the total, say, other end of that spectrum in terms of that is obviously a non-traditional narrative, but to get to something that is very traditional, I would say, you know, obviously you can't go wrong with anything Victorian. And I will say you can't go wrong right now with Anthony Trollope. I recommend anything by Anthony Trollope. Um, It's perhaps not the suggestion that people who know me would think I would make because I wrote a lot about women Victorian, female Victorian writers in my dissertation and in the work that I, in the published work that I did. But Anthony Trollope really knows how to tell a story. I'll tell you that. Fantastic. So you've mentioned that you're not on very much social media. So where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on the internet at Geek Gamers, which is my YouTube channel. It's um, www.youtube.com slash C slash Geek Gamers 01 is the actual URL. And not to be confused with another thing, Geek Plus Gamers, which is about video games, which I admit I did not know existed when I made my little channel and I can be reached on email at citygeekgamers at gmail.com. Deborah, thank you so, so much for coming on to talk to me. It's been such a pleasure to actually get to talk to you. Uh, I've been an admirer of your channel for some time. So thank you. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm glad we had a chance to connect and um, thank you so much. And everybody else, feel free to ask questions to Deborah or to me. We're always happy to hear from you and happy gaming.